this is, I guess we refer to it as our flip Sunday. We flip the services, the sermons up here first and then downstairs a little bit later. So uh, good to see you here this morning. I brought water this morning so that uh, the last thing you'll be able to say is it was a mighty dry sermon. So. <laughs> uh, Good to see everyone. I'm especially glad to see a friend of ours, Carmen. She's a freshman at ETSU this year. Uh, I know her through her father, who when he was about yay high was in a youth group uh, I was over many years ago. So what a privilege to have, have you, Carmen. Might be some other ETSU students here this morning. If you're an ETSU student, would you raise your hand? I think we had some in the earlier service, so a few hands. Scattered throughout, not very many, but a few. We want to have more. Who else raised their hand? The mighty good looking freshman you are, young man. <laughs> uh, thank you. We need that humor. Uh, let me read to you uh, another psalm. This is uh, from Psalm 81. I'm going to read verse 1 and then verse 10. Psalm 81, verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Let us pray. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and by the Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, and in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In a land far, far away, in a time long ago, uh, when Sharon and I were single and not yet uh, certain about marriage, we looked for things to do and places to go. Uh, she decided on one occasion to ask if I wanted to go to a concert. Well, when you're single and you're dating somebody and they say you want to go to a concert, you know that... Uh, saying no is not an option. So I said, sure, I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> well, uh, if, if memory serves me correctly, the artist that she wanted to go hear was Stephen Curtis Chapman. I think that was right. And uh, his music more or less defined her preferences for something a bit more contemporary in music. I decided to do a compromise. I, I thought, okay, if I'm going to her concert of choice, she ought to go to my concert of choice. So I said, uh, will you want to go to hear Bill Gaither and the vocal band? And she looked at me and said, who's Bill Gaither? <laughs> I, I remember, I think I said this to her. I said, you call yourself a Christian and don't know who Bill Gaither is. <laughs> 
Well, thus began uh, the decades-long toleration for each other's preferred music preferences. She likes what she likes, and I like what I like. You know, music is very important, very important. Nothing proves that more uh, than the book of Psalms, which is stuck right in the middle of the Christian Bible. It's hard to miss the book of Psalms. You can flip it over to the, in the middle, and there it is. Right there it is. And as a, as a hymn book, the Psalms are actually made up of five different sections, or kind of like five small books put together to make the book of Psalms, which becomes then the biggest book in the Bible. And each of those five books, at the end of that book, it will have a doxology. So five times, more than five times, but at least five times, there's a doxology given to us. Well, that word doxology comes to us from the Greek, and it means a praising, a praising. Uh, There's what's known as the greater doxology, which we sing sometimes right here in our worship service, the doxology. Uh, uh, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest doxology there's a lesser doxology known as the Gloria Patre which is glory to the Father well let's just look at the book of Psalms I'm just going to jump around to these five sections real quick and read to you the doxologies that are given in these books the first being book one uh, and it kind of goes along with the book of Genesis and that's Psalm 1 through 41 and the theme is man in his blessed state in the garden of Eden his fall, and then his recovery. And, and uh, at the end of the Psalms there, at the end of Psalm 41, we find this doxology. Uh, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. It's a beautiful doxology. Book 2 is uh, Psalm 42 through 72, and uh, the theme of uh, that, that's, that book is uh, Israel's ruin and then their redeemer and their redemption. Uh, so it's talking about uh, the nation of Israel and how things went for them in the spiritual realm. At the end of Psalm 72, we find this doxology. Uh, Praise to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. What a magnificent doxology that is. Book 3 is Psalm 73 through 89, and it connects to the book of Leviticus. And if there's a single word that kind of goes along with this group of psalms, it's the word sanctuary. And as I was thinking about that and reading over that this week, I couldn't help but think about this sanctuary. What a beautiful place we have to worship God this morning. And the the, the doxology there with that group of psalms is this. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And may that be our prayer today, that in this place, praise be to the Lord forever. May it never stop on this street corner. May this forever be a place where God's praised. Book 4 is Psalm 90 through 106, and it is connected to the earth as a whole. And uh, it's a beautiful day today. I hope you get to go outside and enjoy God's creation today. It's finally not raining, at least not right now. 
But the end of that uh, section, there's this doxology. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen and praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for the mountains we get to look at every day that we're out and about. And, and for the open fields that we get to see. Praise God for the earth that he's given us to enjoy. The last grouping of psalms is Psalm 107 through 150. It's interesting because that last psalm in that section, Psalm 150, is entirely a doxology. The whole thing is a doxology. And you can read it at your leisure, but there's a, it closes out with these words. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. What a magnificent Psalm and what a magnificent doxology. So the book of Psalms is a hymn book and its very construction teaches us to praise God, to give to Him a doxology of praise in our life. Throughout the Psalms we find references to praise and worship, to thanksgiving and to singing. And such is the case with the Psalms used in the lectionary readings for today. The church is called to praise God. You are called as a congregation to praise God. But not just that, more importantly, we are called as individual Christians to praise the Lord. You as an individual should be praising God, singing His praises. Not leaving it up to the congregation to do it for you. You should have your voice uh, engaged in worship and praising God. A commentator wrote these words. He said, in the Old Testament law... Uh, you find stated times of worship like the Sabbath and certain feast times. Those were times when the congregation was to get together and praise the Lord. We still do that. Sunday morning, we come together to praise the Lord. There might be other times you get together with people in a class or some other setting and you, it's a called time to praise the Lord. So that's a, a called worship time. There's also, in the Old Testament law, a, a call for spontaneous times of worship. It's like if you defeat your enemy or God does something good for you, you're going to get engaged right then on the spot spontaneously to praise the Lord. Maybe you're driving on I-26. You're leaving Asheville, heading towards Johnson City. No better time than then to praise the Lord. And uh, you've got the radio on. <laughs> You've got the radio on, and you're listening to the music play, and about the time you get on the highest peak between here and there, somehow it registers with you, and you see all the beauty around you, and you can't help but right then spontaneously to start singing along on the radio, with the radio, worshiping and praising God. How beautiful it is when that happens. The point is, you know, it's, it's like this. If, if all of worship were personal and spontaneous, there would never be any, uh, it'd be diverse, but it wouldn't be unified. It's okay for it to be diverse at times, but when we come in here on Sunday morning to sing and the choir is leading us in a song or Tony's leading us in a song, uh, you don't have the option then to say, well, I know they're singing how great they are, but right now I think I feel amazing grace. No. 
Uh, we're unified at that point in time uh, to, to worship in that way. Uh, so if all worship were personal and spontaneous, there would never be diversity. There, there would be diversity, but not unity. But if all worship was only follow, following a schedule all the time, there would be uniformity, but no diversity. God deserves both diversity and unity of worship. He deserves for us to worship and praise Him as a congregation in unity, but also individually bringing diversity to Him in our praise. And what does that mean for us? Well, here's a question. Are we Stephen Curtis Chapman kind of people? Or are we Bill Gaither people or Bach or Beethoven or Wagner. Well, where I come from, it's Wagner, okay? So, what are we? Are we Stephen Curtis Chapman, Bill Gaither, or somebody else? Well, that's a good question, but you know, it can make us feel uncomfortable when we're asked that right here in front of everybody. But here's the point. Our comfort is not the object of God's call to His people for worship. My being comfortable is not at the heart of worship. The very heart of our worship needs to be Christ-centered or Christocentric, not focused on the creature, but on the Creator. We come to worship Him and not worship ourselves. Our call is to do what the psalmist records for us when he says, Sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob. And then he continues and he pins those words we read a moment ago, To open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's a pretty good indication that God wants our enthusiasm in worship. He wants us to put our heart into it. Whatever that might look like for you as an individual or for us as a worshiping congregation, God wants us to sing His praises and to mean it from our heart. The point is, it isn't really about Stephen Curtis Chapman or Bill Gaither or anybody else. It is about God the Father and His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what our worship is about this morning. Now, some of you might know this. Some of you might not. Here I am, a Baptist, preaching in a Baptist church this morning. But it's our secret that I went to a Presbyterian seminary. <laughs> Erskine Theological Seminary. Well, at Erskine, there was, a, there was a required chapel pretty much every day at Erskine. Now, before Erskine, I had finished college, and I went and worked in the cotton mill and some other places for two years. I went straight from the cotton mill to Erskine and found myself sitting there at Erskine in chapel. Well, Erskine is an associate reform Presbyterian school, ARP, very conservative. It's a great school, but the ARP church generally only sings the Psalter, the book of Psalms. Well, I could read the words because they were in English, but I didn't know any of the melodies. I didn't know anything about the Psalter. That was a brand new experience for me, and I have to confess, looking back, I didn't cherish that enough at the time. I couldn't get it. That's not my preference. Here's some news for you. Billy Graham grew up in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. He was, a, as a kid and a teenager, he was a Presbyterian. ARP. I believe he became Baptist because he didn't like singing the Psalter. <laughs> but <laughs> when we get to heaven, we'll ask him. Uh, <laughs> I do prefer now a wonderful stately hymns in worship. That's my personal preference. 
But I admit something, when you're not around and you aren't looking, I also really like bluegrass gospel. I love it. Getting me around bluegrass gospel and somebody's singing bluegrass gospel, I'm going to join right in there. Like it. It's part of my preferences. Well, which is right then? Well, the best answer to which is right is just this. Neither is wrong. Because whether you're singing a stately hymn of the church or chorus or, or a bluegrass gospel song, God deserves to be praised whatever your preference. God deserves to be praised. Now, in the New Testament, God gives us a description of what he likes to hear us sing. Did you know that? He did. He said this, recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking to yourselves, and one translation says speaking to one another, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Now, reading that verse lets me know it's okay if the Presbyterians decide to sing the Psalter. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay also to sing upbeat tunes of, of great gospel songs. That's okay. It's even okay to worship God with a spiritual song or a contemporary chorus. All of that's okay. God says it is in Ephesians. What is not okay is to withhold praise from God. It's not okay for me to make the focus of my preferences and my preferences alone part of my worship experience. To say, I want what I want and only what I want. That would not be right. That would put me at the focus of worship, which is idolatry. And God will not be God number two for any church. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but... Right now, our church, is uh, Central Baptist, is doing a strategic study in order to plan for the future. We've got a group of people that you've set aside to get the pulse of the congregation and to help us become focused on what we believe God wants to do, not only for Central Baptist, more importantly, through Central Baptist. That should excite us. We ought to be excited that we as a congregation are saying, I want to think about the future and what God wants to do through us. And what it means is we aren't satisfied being a church with a wonderful history that spans 150 plus years. It's a fantastic history that we have as a church. We want to be a church, though, with a future and not just a church with a past. We want to thank God for yesterday, but our focus isn't then. Our focus is going forward. God, what do you want to do in us today and through us tomorrow? We want to have a future. We want to be a body of believers who are vibrant in worship and busy in ministry to the community and committed to winning the loss to Jesus Christ. We want to be a church in fellowship with each other, with one another, holding each other up in the faith. And so when you come here to church, you ought to know I'm at my father's house. That's where I belong. Those people love me and pray for me. We want to be committed to helping our senior adults, the people who've been here for a long time, to have their, their best years in their Christian journey right now. And at the same time, filling up our nursery with their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. We want to minister to everybody. Doesn't matter what your birthday is, how old or how young you are. We want everybody to feel at home right here at Central. 
That's who we are. It's part of our heritage and our history. What we don't want is to do is to limit ourselves because our preferences or our fears become too important to us. We want every Christian believer to have a place at the table and to know when they're here at the table, it's their father's table and they're at home. They belong here. We do want to enjoy singing from the hymn book. We love singing from the hymnal. At the same time, singing words that are projected on the screen, which, by the way, at one time was considered very radical for any church to do. We want to sing familiar tunes that we know by heart and have been singing our whole life. At the same time, to start singing something we've never heard before because God himself just might enjoy it. It's about him and not about us. What we don't want is become a church that says, well, I'm part of the sanctuary. I'm part of the sanctuary piece of this church. And somebody else saying, yeah, but I'm part of the church that meets in the basement in the gathering service. We don't want that kind of a thing amongst ourselves. So we ask ourselves this question, are we a traditional church or a contemporary church? Well, the answer is yes, we are. Yes, we're traditional. Yes, we also have some folks that worship God in the contemporary service. We have three worship services that meet here in this building on Sunday morning. but We only have one congregation. We are unified in mind and thought because whether you worship here at 8.30 or 11 o'clock in the sanctuary or 11 o'clock downstairs, we're here for the same reason, to worship and glorify God through His Son, Jesus Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit in worship. That's who we are. We've been determined to be that for 150 years. We want 150 more years of the same thing being true here in Johnson City, Tennessee. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You my people. <laughs> I prefer 11 o'clock traditional right here in the sanctuary. <laughs> Don't tell the rest of them. But occasionally, I do come at 8.30, even when I'm not preaching in the service. And sometimes you won't see me in here at 11 because I'm downstairs in the gathering service. Not all the time, but sometime. Because those, those, those pieces of our congregation are also our brothers and our sisters worshiping God. And quite frankly, I don't want to miss out on what God's doing in either service. I can highly recommend you do that sometime. Not all the time if you prefer 11 in here. I'll see you most of the time in here too. But every once in a while, maybe show up at 8.30. Surprise those folks. Maybe go downstairs to the contemporary service and worship God there too. Because that's part of our congregation. You see, it isn't a matter of uh, either we're for this or we're for that. It's not either or, it's both and then, when, uh, both and and when we come to focus on worship and ministry. We want to do it all. We want everybody to feel at home here. Upstairs, downstairs, 8, 30, 11, doesn't matter. God must be our focus and Christ must be our Savior and the Holy Spirit must be our guide. We're called to worship and we're called to fellowship with one another. The big question for the morning is this, will we answer that call to be that kind of a people? God's not going to force us to. 
God will not force us to fellowship with one another. He will not force us, force us to sing when we come into the, the sanctuary this morning. You might have heard the opening songs. Maybe you didn't sing at all. God won't force us to. Uh, there is a, a portion of Psalm 81 that is part of the day's reading that I didn't read earlier, didn't focus on, but I want to give it to you now. God mournfully said in Psalm 81 at verse 11, he says, but my people did not listen to my voice. We don't have to worship for fellowship. We don't have to do ministry in the community. We can choose to be very self-focused and self-centered in our own, on our own desires and wants. The outcome, though, of not listening to the voice of God is described for us in verse, verse 12 of that same psalm. He says, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts and to their own counsels. Someone said the greatest judgment God can get, send to people is this. Let them have their own way. That's powerful words. These should be exciting times for us as a worshiping congregation. We have opportunities to do good and great things both inside and outside our sanctuary and in our community. And for that to happen, we must prioritize worship and fellowship and outreach. Let it not be said of us that we ignored the call of God to do better things. In closing, John Greenleaf Whittier wrote these words. Of all sad words of tongue and pen... The saddest are these, it might have been. Of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest of these, it might have been. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, we come into this place to sing your praises and to adore you, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we with enthusiasm lift our voices and sing your praises. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.